0: So we have a neighborhood group text message Uh with all of our neighbors. And we'll often say, hey, I'm going to Walmart or wherever. Does anybody need anything? So tonight, the message from one of our neighbors was, I'm going to Atwoods. Does anyone need anything? And I said, yeah, a bag of circus peanuts. (laughs) I love those things.
1: Oh, my God. We go to Atwoods for orange slices. So, yeah, I understand. (sighs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, so good so anyway th- there was a long bashing <laughs> session by all the neighbors about how i'm crazy for liking these so things so
1: disgusting <laughs> so disgusting
0: anyway so then you know i kind of forget about it and right before we record actually i was about two minutes late calling you because of this oh my god the doorbell rings and i walk around just in time to see a bag of circus peanuts <laughs> get slammed against the clear window at the top of the door And he said he walked in with those, and his wife said, you bought those? Said, yeah, for John. She said, oh, good, because I was going to kill you with those peanuts.
1: <laughs> they're so disgusting, you weirdo.
0: Oh, they're the best.
1: Oh, I mean, it takes a certain person. <laughs> I'll just leave it there. Well, like, I'll just leave it all there. Right.
0: So thanks, neighbors, for the circus peanuts. Sorry, Shannon. I was a couple minutes late.
1: It's okay. I mean, (laughs) we'll see if you're even here next week after eating those.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'll be right here.
1: (laughs) Oh, glued to the chair with those disgusting things. (laughs) Yep. (laughs)
0: Hmm. 90%
1: 90% of all scientists that have ever been alive are alive today. That's a lot of information. But don't panic. It's not an exact science.
0: Hey, Shannon, how are you?
1: Doing pretty well. How about yourself?
0: Oh, pretty good. Ah!
1: <laughs> you know, I'm supposed to be in Amarillo tonight.
0: Wait, is it going to be Amarillo by morning now? I know.
1: I was going <laughs> to. It's Exactly. I was teeing it up. <laughs> I was hoping on your southern roots that you would get that. Um, yeah, except it's been snowing out there. I was headed to New Mexico Highlands University, used the magnetometer. Yeah, and the road to the university is closed. So. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's It's I crazy. Mean, the models did say that February was going to be the, the wet month. So.
1: Well... It is turning out to be correct, for sure. How much rain did you guys get this week?
0: Not nearly as much as we were supposed to. Where we are locally, we were skirted by 10 miles either side of most of the major rain bands. Mm. We might have gotten close to an inch, but places just a few miles from here got over two.
1: Okay. That's, yeah. I thought that... I thought you guys were supposed to get a bunch. That's that's interesting. I was trying to think I'm trying to look right now. We got a it felt like a lot of rain. Um yeah, we got an inch and a half or so. Not too bad. So it's been very it's been very exciting and we're supposed to get this snowstorm that was nowhere. We hadn't hadn't talked about ejecting this little short wave our direction. Until, <laughs> Yep. Yeah, until this morning. Everyone's like, oh, we're going to get snow tonight. I'm like, what? In fact, I was out with a um, visiting faculty member last night, and rain, 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 and every, I swear, it was really funny. You can tell that you're in a weather town when everyone in the, <laughs> not everyone, maybe 80% of the people in the restaurant got text messages right around the same time. And I guarantee you all of those text messages said, oh my gosh, it's snowing. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Because <laughs> it wasn't just me that went to the window at that exact moment. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's been very exciting around here, weather wise, that's for sure. And I mean, you know, speaking of weather, right? <laughs> well,
0: you know, weather has to do with the full atmospheric column.
1: <laughs> that's right, all the way to the top at 60,000 feet. <laughs>
0: Which is where there was a surveillance balloon.
1: <laughs> it was a weather balloon, Sean.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm surprised that we weren't told it was foam gas.
1: Oh, man. So it's been an exciting week because of the weather balloon slash spy balloon that's been coming over. I will say my favorite thing that came out of this week. The SNL skit was pretty good, but my favorite thing that came out of this week was the meme that said, (laughs) because this weather balloons, uh, cargo had been described in the news as two to three school buses in size. (laughs) And my student comes up with this meme that says, Americans will use any other unit of measure but the metric system.
0: (laughs) It's it's true.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was pretty good. I mean, that meme won't live you know, another year or so in class, but I'm 100% going to use it a ton.
0: <laughs> yep. It wasn't 20 to 30 meters because we don't know what that is.
1: Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what my student said. He's like, I don't know what 30 meters looks like. <laughs> uh, Yeah. So, interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so I thought it would be kind of fun to talk about because, well, it's technology, also, it's meteorology. And there's a lot of history between, uh, behind observation balloons.
1: I was going to say, this isn't... So we've talked about kites on here a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, we've talked about using kites for photography of, like, you know, the aftermath of the 1906 earthquake.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. We've talked about kites in terms of measuring cloud condensation nuclei coming off the ocean.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now we're going to talk about... Balloons that do stuff.
0: And, you know, I have some friends that just finished a field campaign where they were launching a bunch of oversized weather balloons with some interesting-looking instruments on it. Mm -hmm. And I said, aren't you (gasps) glad you just finished? Oh, Oh, no.
1: That's so scary. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. I know. I, I, I made some... Yeah, I had some, like, feelings go out in case that actually was, like, some poor grad student's balloon that, <laughs> that, right. that got, like, out of control. And they're like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I can never publish this now.
0: <laughs> well, it's not helped by the fa- I mean, yeah, most papers don't end with. And then we were shot down. I know. Uh, um, oh yeah But it wouldn't help by the fact that it was later revealed that this is like the third or fourth or maybe fifth one that we've observed.
1: hmm. Yeah, that was a big exciting addition to <laughs> to all the news, right? <laughs> I it makes sense. It's so interesting yep. though. Like who's like, let's just float this balloon and see what happens?
0: <laughs> well, <laughs>
1: <laughs> hmm.
0: It's been an idea for a long time.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is interesting because I think where we're going to go, well, I'll, co- I'll come back to this, but where we're going to go with this is a whole, a whole discussion we had. We were out in the field this entire last weekend, um, a whole discussion that we had in the field about geology. So I'll put a, not to be, you know, obnoxious to the balloons, I'll put a pin in this and then we'll. We'll get back to <laughs> We'll get back to our field discussion.
0: Right. So the first use of balloons for any kind of intelligence or military purpose was by the French.
1: <laughs> uh-huh. uh, uh. In
0: 1794.:
1: Man, this is brilliant, right? That's, that's... It's, it's a
0: buoyant idea.
1: Oh, there's so many dad jokes that are going to get let loose in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I was thinking of floating a few myself. Um. (laughs) Okay, so the French fought a lot of wars, right? (laughs) They did. Uh Uh-huh. And this is a great idea to put things on a balloon and fly it what did they was it a te- well obviously it was a tethered balloon. What did they use it for? Did they stick people up in there?
0: Yeah, so they were trying to observe oh. what the enemy was doing to help direct their battle plan and what better way to do that than to strap a person I mean we don't have time for these silly baskets just a harness <gasps> and you lift this person up and make them the world's biggest shooting gallery.
1: ah oh my gosh. <laughs> Uh, that's awful. That's <laughs> unbelievably awful. <laughs> I mean, it's funny since just like this balloon, people just wanted to get their guns out and shoot it down too. Right? Mhm. Yep. Yep. There was a lot of really great tweets from like law enforcement officials saying your rifle rounds will not reach 60,000 feet. Uh uh-huh. <laughs> but I'm guessing these first balloons also did not reach sixty thousand feet.
0: No, they did not. They just got high enough where you could get a, you know, think of top of the OU football stadium kind of view.
1: Which is quite an advantage when no one else is that high. So you know yeah. I could see that. So
0: And Well, you can actually see one in Vienna in a museum, the oldest <gasps> known observation balloon.
1: Oh, no kidding. That's yeah. cool.
0: So now I have a reason to go to Vienna mm. for the balloons.
1: I mean, I didn't need one, but I'll take it. <laughs> uh, this can't surely be the only use of a balloon in wartime, though.
0: Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> the, the Civil the American Civil War. I would say Civil War, but then that's very mm-hmm. U.S.-centric. Yeah. The American true. Civil War.
1: Uh uh-huh. hmm
0: that's the 1860s. Uh, Franco-Prussian. Britain used them a lot <laughs> in wars. <laughs> uh, uh. And I mean, I'm not going to list all the conflicts. They're easy to find lists of all the conflicts that balloons were used online. Mm-hmm. Uh, but World War One was really the the uh, peak. Of balloon use?
1: Mm hmm. I mean, these were big boys balloons, though. So now,
0: yeah. So these were <laughs> very. Yeah, I mean, we're. I, let, let's talk in meters here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I don't understand that.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, th- these were you know think football field size balloons. Right. So American football.
1: Yeah. Not. Tiny little one-man jobs. But, I mean, were they for the same thing? Were these balloons, were they a mix of, like, observations? Or did they send people with guns up in them ever?
0: So these were all observation. Okay. Mm -hmm. But the main driver was not, I mean, by then we had airplanes.
1: Right, yeah.
0: Okay, not not good airplanes. airplanes. (laughs) They were there. But one of the main drivers was artillery had developed to the point where they could shoot over the horizon. Oh, and they had okay. no way to know if they were hitting what they were aiming at because <laughs> they couldn't see it. Uh, so they would send people up strapped in, sometimes still just in harnesses, under these balloons. Oh, my So gosh. they could report as artillery observers how the shells were hitting relative to the target that they're aiming for. Okay, but you know the early balloons were what a kid would draw as a balloon. They're a big sphere blob. Okay. they're the hot air balloon that's in every up up and away aquarius music video.
1: <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce this other shape of balloon. I hope you do
0: <laughs> Kaqua
1: <laughs> so you don't know sure
0: how. <laughs> no. Uh, these are the ones that look kind of like a overstuffed dart.
1: Okay. Like when you're Or imagining... more like a blimp. Okay. Yes. Yeah. They look like blimps. But they've got little blow-up fins on them.
0: <laughs> right. And these were because these spherical balloons, you kind of, even though you were tethered, you were still getting blown around wherever... Right. You, know, you might be facing the wrong way. or I'm sure these guys had all kinds of terrible things happen to them.
1: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Whereas with these, they would face into the wind because they had fins. Mm-hmm. So you could orient yourself and be stable. Especially if you're trying... Can you imagine, as an artillery observer, trying to look through binoculars in a <laughs> balloon that's just getting batted around by the wind all the time?
1: Yeah, it's especially like not even in a basket, but if you're just sitting there.
0: Like you, would, you would projectile vomit on the people below and Absolutely. have black eyes from the binoculars whacking your face.
1: Exactly. <laughs> I mean, these still, this would be terrifying to be in these little baskets with these caquat balloons. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Because so, those are large.
0: Yeah, they're pretty big. Um, and the Germans had one, a Parseval Sigsfeld, Okay. Which is very similar, but the rear fin on it was inflated by the wind.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Instead of being inflated by the balloon itself.
1: So probably even more stable then.
0: Yeah, and it didn't take more lifting gas.
1: Hmm. Did they use helium or did they use hydrogen?
0: Ooh, yeah. Okay, so... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Initially, they used hydrogen. Mm-hmm. It has its problems. <laughs>
1: uh huh. <laughs>
0: I I could not find a record of it, but I'm sure there were some Ugh, incidents.
1: I imagine so. <laughs> I
0: mean, static electricity, weather,
1: Ugh, yeah,
0: people being obnoxious. All of these things can cause these to become giant fireballs.
1: About as impressive to watch, but <laughs> expensive, too.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they, they did eventually, and we'll talk some more about that in the World War II balloons that are coming up. Okay. Um, but interestingly enough, because the balloons were so important to the artillery efforts, they actually were very heavily defended.
1: I mean, that makes In sense. W-
0: In World War I, they would surround them with anti-aircraft guns, machine guns, patrolling fighter aircraft.
1: I could see that if you're a pilot and you know they've got a balloon up there, you definitely want to go pop it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and so those people were known as balloon busters.
1: <laughs>
0: uh there were some famous ones. Frank Luke was the most famous American one. Okay. Uh, but they know that if they go very low, they're in range of the anti-aircraft guns on the ground, and the balloon can hover in that safe space.
1: Gotcha. You got to find that sweet spot to throw your dart out the at your airplane window. <laughs>
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, a lot of the early, early balloon, the crews, you know, minimum crew of one, mm-hmm. um, they would just jump from the balloon when they were done with their observation and parachute down. <gasps>
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> then you just let this thing go? You're just done? I.
0: I'm not sure if they let them go or if they would hold them.
1: Yeah, surely you'd want to retrieve that, right?
0: Yeah. Um, But no, apparently if you were, and maybe it was more of a if you're in danger situation as well. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, the bad guys are coming in and strafing my balloon with their aircraft. Yeah, that's Uh, true. Just parachute down.
1: So how high would these get? I mean, a couple hundred feet at least.
0: Yeah, I mean, hundreds of feet is what I would say. We we know mm-hmm. that some of the early balloonists went way high into the atmosphere and were even Oops. killed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're saying, oh, and this is in meters,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, that some of them operated at a kilometer or so.
1: Oh wow. Okay.
0: So a few thousand—that's three thousand feet. Ish. Pretty cool. So you could get, I mean, that would be, that would be an interesting experience, hanging by a little harness. I would want a parachute, too.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. Hopefully they all had parachutes, just in case. Right. Right. <laughs> oh, how terrifying. Just your feet dangling.
0: Yeah. Um, and I want to go back to some World War Two balloons here in a second. But they also used balloons in the cold war Mm -hmm. to monitor soviet nuclear tests so there was a project called project mogul that flew infrasound sensors (gasps) in the atmosphere to try to listen for soviet nuclear testing
1: that's cool
0: and then our seismometers and radiation airborne radiation detectors got good enough we didn't have to do that anymore and that project was very expensive so it was canceled
1: but very fun
0: right like uh, <laughs> and you know most of the time now we're just using like a predator drone right. or something mm-hmm. uh, but there are these things called aerostats air static standing air aerostat okay mm-hmm. uh, that are used i mean we use them in Iraq
1: no kidding they don't look yep. much different either
0: they, they really don't look much different, but they carry things like tactical radar systems okay, where we need to get an antenna high quickly.
1: That's a little different.
0: <laughs> right.
1: But, I mean, yeah, that balloon is shaped nearly exactly like these first World War II-shaped balloons. Hmm. Interesting.
0: But, yeah, so you could uh, hoist your, instead of having to try to, Set up a tower, or wait on aircraft support. Uh, you wanted to see what was going on over the horizon. You just unreal your tactical radar balloon. That's what I do. <laughs> yep, and <laughs> balloons can have a very, very small radar cross section. Mm-hmm. Uh, like this, the surveillance balloon from last week was estimated to have a radar cross section of about that of a bird.
1: Yeah. So you don't give it a second glance if you don't have eyeballs to look at the thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and especially
0: if you're at war, like in some of these other scenarios, like that little bitty radar return is not even going to register <laughs> on exactly. the operator's mind.
1: And so it's like that's why you would use it. Because you think, why would you go to the expense and or trouble to use a balloon that seems ridiculous but that's why if there aren't a lot of people looking up in that area and all you're doing is monitoring by radar it's essentially invisible
0: i mean as we've talked about with folks on here before all you need is some uh tanks of helium and a u-haul truck right (laughs)
1: that's right (laughs) too bad you can't get any helium now but that's another story (laughs)
0: That That is also another story, yes. Uh, but before we get to the recent event, we, we would be remiss if we don't talk about the Fugo balloons.
1: So I don't know anything about this, and this is extremely terrifying.
0: Yes. <laughs> uh, so the Fugo balloons were a tactic that Japan used against the U.S. in World War II. And the idea was we're going to launch a bunch of these balloons that have incendiary bombs on them.
1: Oh, my gosh. And the balloon's probably a bomb too, right? Basically.
0: uh, Well, depends. Yeah, some of them did use hydrogen. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then they also would generally carry at least one anti-personnel bomb.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: And... They had figured out from meteorological studies that the jet stream was a thing. Remember, this is early in meteorology. Right, exactly. We're talking exactly. early 40s here.
1: Mm-hmm, where we're developing the Norwegian cyclone model and all that jazz.
0: Right. But they'd figured out that, hey, there's this window of time where we could launch balloons from, like, Fukushima, Honshu, some of these areas, and they would drift over the Pacific Northwest. <sighs> And wouldn't it be cool if we could use those to terrorize the population and bring the war to U.S. soil? Awful. Yes. So
1: it clearly didn't work because I've never heard of this, and I listened in history class. So
0: These are one of those weird footnotes Mm -hmm. in in war history. Uh, These make a great drunk history episode.
1: Man, is is there one?
0: I don't think so.
1: Oh, there have. Oh, please, this has to get done. Yes,
0: we're available, by the way.
1: That's right, absolutely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah, these th- there were several different versions of this, and the U.S. worked on very similar balloons as well. Um, but they're they're pretty big, so thirty odd feet, ten meters in diameter. And, yeah, the idea was we're going to set the forests on fire with these incendiary bombs. And then when the balloon lands, we're going to blow up whatever we land on.
1: (laughs) Man. Okay. Yeah. Uh
0: Now, the engineering on these things was brilliant. Okay. It's the 40s. There are no computers you're going to fly. Uh Mm-hmm. It is going to take days or weeks for this balloon to get to its target. Right. How do you control it <gasps> so it doesn't go too high and pop or drop into the ocean?
1: Oh, man. It,
0: it gets these huge diurnal temperature swings.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: So this was a problem.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Hmm.
0: They came up with a electromechanical device that it had a master barometer and backup
1: barometers
0: (laughs) in case the master barometer failed. And it would monitor the altitude that the balloon's at. All right. And when the balloon would go too high, gas was released from the balloon. And it would drop, and then the gas valve would close. If it got to be night, and the gas was getting more dense inside the balloon, we were losing lift, if it fell below a preset point, it would drop a sandbag. (laughs)
1: This is great.
0: So these had 32 sandbags mounted along this, what looked like a bicycle wheel, along the outer rim. And they each had a gunpowder plug that held them on. (gasps) So when the barometer would trip that it was low, the next plug in sequence would fire. And that sandbag would drop and then the system waited two minutes before advancing to the next plug, so the balloon could either rise into the acceptable altitude range, which was twenty-five to twenty-seven thousand feet, or if it still hadn't risen enough, it would fire the next sandbag.
1: This is brilliant. Simple. I mean, it doesn't look elegant for sure because that's a lot of a lot of fuses. oh yeah and twine but that is brilliant engineering you can imagine everyone sitting around and being like what are we gonna do (laughs) right
0: yeah well you got to think about from a dollars per terror standpoint right like you got to build these things cheap but if you can build them cheap you can launch an army of them
1: yeah exactly Oh, how? This is super cool.
0: Hmm. So then, and this is the part I'm not totally sure on, if it was just timing, or I think it was probably when they just ran out of sandbags.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There was another altimeter, another barometer, that when it got between thirteen and 20,000 feet, it would release the incendiary bombs.
1: Oh, man. Okay.
0: Now, there was a one-hour fuse that they would set when they launched these so they didn't drop the bombs immediately
1: <laughs>
0: and destroy the base. So at one hour after launch, these things would activate. And they even launched in each batch of launches some that, instead of having bombs, had radiosondes on them.
1: Oh, sneaky.
0: <laughs> and so they were tracking where these cadres of balloons went and learning about the jet stream. Also, the idea was that we would never figure out exactly what's going on with these. So there is a three-minute fuse that when the last bomb dropped, a three-minute fuse started that then detonated a huge chunk of picric acid, which would blow Uh. up the balloon, the carriage, And then an 82-minute fuse would destroy the envelope. Because the envelopes for these were laminated paper.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: So a lot of these were launched. Many, many hundreds. And several did make it. Uh, They were being found, pieces of them were found up into the 1970s.
1: Oh, wow. So So, it's probably a lot that didn't make it totally (laughs) onshore.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, The the problem was they determined that kind of November, December was the best time to launch for the winds that they wanted from Honshu. Mm Mm-hmm. Everything in the Pacific Northwest is sopping wet.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so,
0: the ones that did make it probably dropped their incendiary devices and didn't really do much. There's a couple <laughs> small fires that are credited to them. Uh, there are some civilian deaths.
1: Mm.
0: Uh, unfortunately, some folks, uh, six folks to be more precise, in 1945 discovered one of the bombs undetonated oh. in a forest, and they were going out for a picnic.
1: Oh, my god! And gosh.
0: husband dropped wife and some kids from Sunday school off and went to park the car, and they found this weird thing and tried to see what it was, and it blew up and killed them.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: Uh, so they were the only civilian deaths on U.S. soil of World War II.
1: No kidding. So looking at places, these maps of these places, I mean, these are found in Alaska all the way as far east as Iowa. Yeah. Wow. There's one in Texas even. That had to be one of those uh, polar vortexes coming down here. (laughs) Carrying that guy. (laughs) Wow. As far east as Iowa. How That's a lot. So this is a good time to return to that pinned thought. Um, Our new faculty member and I were discussing just, you know, what courses the students take or whatever. And then we got to discussing at great length how we should have a co-taught class with a history professor and call it something like geology and war. And I think it should be expanded to geosciences and war because, she was saying how she was teaching her intro non-majors class about how we never pay for science, like America doesn't give money for science unless it's in wartime. And she's like, think about it. Everything, you know, we learned so much out of wartime science. And we started listing stuff and we're like, this could be an entire class. And, yeah, now I can add Fugo balloons to it to talk about stream." <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, and I've got a whole book that you can borrow that is a series of how Civil War battles came out differently than they probably would have if it wasn't for atmospheric conditions causing sound propagation anomalies. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes, there's a book on it. Yes, I own it. And yes, I've read it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, great. That can be some. Okay. Okay. I'm building this class. This is what I'm going to do on my... I'm going to scrap everything else I was going to do on my sabbatical, and this is what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, and
0: so th- there are lots of other balloon programs. Uh, the, so there's the E-77 balloon bomb, which is the U.S. project in the 50s that is directly a knockoff of the Fugo balloon. Oh, Okay. Uh, It, instead of carrying incendiary weapons, carried biological weapons.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Terrifying.
0: Yep. Uh, Interestingly enough, too, the Fugo balloons, there was a uh, press blackout. The U.S. told all the press, (laughs) do not report on these. (laughs) No matter what happens, don't say a word about them. Because then, as far as the Japanese knew, they never even made it. Exactly. Maybe they'll just quit. Yep. Um. Yeah, so there there's the Fugo, there was the E-77s. Uh, after that, uh, there was the Flying Cloud, uh, our Weapon System 124A. And these were uh, balloon-delivered weapons of mass destruction. Oh, my gosh. Yep, so the first flight was in uh, October of 54, which was a, another knockoff of a project called 119L uh project Moby Dick <laughs> and these were espionage cameras floated over the USSR
1: oh hmm.
0: yeah um
1: caught <Hot> meat kettle
0: <laughs> <laughs> right and then just to round out the weird- these are not directly Uh, balloon-related. But in my searchings for odd wartime weaponry, I came across the bat bomb.
1: (laughs) Okay. So, I mean, I think most
0: people know of or have heard of, like, where we'd strap pigeons into missiles and have them tap on the ship with their beak to guide the missile.
1: Unbelievable. Yes.
0: Yep. Okay. So uh, this was much less sophisticated.
1: (laughs) Can you get... L- no, that is pretty sophisticated, so never mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, the
0: bat bomb was conceived by a dental surgeon from Pennsylvania.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: Who was friends with Eleanor Roosevelt.
1: <sighs>
0: and he went to Carlsbad Caverns, which we've both been to.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, all these bats like to go get in little peaks of roofs and nooks and that kind of thing. Well... Japanese architecture has a lot of peaked roofs and wood construction. So the bat bomb uh, (laughs) is a bomb canister that has a bunch of little compartments that are holding hibernating Mexican free-tail bats.
1: Are they still hibernating when they get stuffed in these things?
0: (laughs) So Mm -hmm. the bat bomb is then dropped and the bats are released from the over 1,000 compartments in the bat bomb. Oh, my gosh. And each of the bats has a little incendiary device (gasps) attached to its leg on a timer. And so these bats would disperse, and they would take up residence in eaves and attics within 20 to 40 miles of where the bomb was dropped. And then a few hours later, the timer would go off, and it would burn all of the wood and paper construction to the ground.
1: Oh, my gosh. This is messed up. so (laughs) that's messed up oh my goodness it Mm. wasn't balloon
0: related but it was too interesting to not (laughs) put into this discussion
1: oh my gosh oh my gosh this is wow there's also rat (laughs) bombs but we won't go there i guess i don't know (laughs) yeah (laughs) wow Mm.
0: but now finally we can get to the 2023 incident (laughs) Uh
1: uh-huh yeah so i've definitely taken a very large media hiatus over the last i don't know probably the last like eight years (laughs) yeah essentially (laughs) essentially like i'm just done there's only so much that i can get mad about (laughs) and yeah i said i have to stop so i did not follow this super closely but I was out in the field, and I got a text from my husband that said, Chinese weather slash spy balloon coming at you. I said, what? <laughs> um, yeah, this was, this was weird. It was gutsy, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, and honestly, I don't think we would have ever known a thing about it if some folks up in the north where there's nothing else to do this time of year hadn't noticed it. <laughs>
1: Because, like we said, unless you have your eyeballs on it, radar isn't going to pick this thing up. Uh-huh.
0: Right. So, there's this uh, photograph from Billings, Montana, kind of the first one of the first ones, where you see this very large balloon with a device hanging below it with lots of solar panels. It looks kind of like a satellite, and it traveled across Alaska, Canada. And then through the contiguous United States, so Montana, uh, it was over Kansas City, uh, then Tennessee, then the Carolinas, and it finally went offshore from Charleston, where we shot it down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Also, I felt like the use of a $350,000 guided missile was a little excessive.
1: (laughs) But again, fun, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean. Were <laughs> you going to throw a dart at it?
0: <laughs> it's also the first kill for the F-22, I think.
1: Oh, uh, so sad. <laughs> yeah. So uh,
0: my first reaction to this was like, well, why would you use a balloon when there are satellites? Right. There are some pretty good reasons. Okay. So. One of them is, we know satellites are surveilling all the time. Mm -hmm. It's easy to track stuff in space. Well, okay, it's not easy. But if you're the government, it's easy to track stuff in space. Mm -hmm. We have NORAD. Yeah. And there are anti-satellite countermeasures. Mm -hmm. To make sure nothing gets seen that we don't want seen. Balloons, on the other hand, like you said, if we don't know they're there. They're also lower altitude. And really interestingly, they linger, right? Compared to a satellite. Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly.
0: I mean, they may still be traveling 20, 30 meters a second, but that's that, a lot that's, longer time than a satellite on yeah, target. Yeah,
1: that's, that's not satellite yet. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Hmm, it's so low-tech, it's that sneaky, yeah, it's sneaky, right? Right. It's just some sneaky low-tech stuff, man. Let's just float this balloon out here, see what we can see.
0: Well, and also, it's a (laughs) non-aggressive form of spying.
1: Yeah, for sure, because you can say it's a weather balloon. That's what it looks like.
0: Well, or you can, you know, do what was done, which would be like, oh, good job, you shot down a balloon.
1: (laughs) Yep, and that. (laughs) Uh,
0: Apparently, though, so we had lots of military assets following this the whole time, uh, spending untold amounts of taxpayer dollars. (laughs) Uh uh-huh keeping planes in the air studying it intercepting communications or blocking communications in some cases we even had u2s flying above it so we could block intercept or alter satellite transmissions
1: oh man i hope they were like are you kidding me we're gonna fly above this balloon
0: (laughs) right (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. so yeah uh little balloon I would love to know what was on that payload. We know that it, after it was shot down, it was there were instantly recovery teams out there getting pieces.
1: Mm-hmm. Of course.
0: Yeah, uh, would love to be able to examine that because I'm sure it's very interesting. I'm sure there's some forms of radar as well as visual, but you know, there's got to be radar, probably uh, electronic surveillance intercepting radio transmissions mm-hmm. or facilities, looking for RF sniffing to try to find buried yeah. facilities.
1: I'm sure all of that was that two to three school bus li- sized payload. <laughs>
0: I mean, what do we do with our nuclear missiles? We put them underground. What can you do when you're quote unquote low to the ground at 60 odd thousand feet? Ground penetrating radar.
1: Yeah. There you go. That's some big antennas you need, though.
0: Well, you know, you could fit those on a two, three school buses.
1: That's true. <laughs> That's what the buses were. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the buses were. Um,
0: and I actually did for the MetPy Monday, where I do these videos for Unidata, where we do something meteorological with Python every week in five to ten minutes. This week, and to me, this just speaks to how awesome Python and the suite of packages that are out there are in less than a hundred lines of Python. I was able to calculate the distance between several sightings that were reported and the bearing properly mind you on a sphere, not any of this straight line nonsense. (laughs) And then I was able to pull NOAA upper air soundings from the vicinity of where the balloon was at the time that it was there approximately. And I was able to calculate, well, if it just followed upper air patterns, did it, did it do what we expected?
1: Uh-huh, and interesting.
0: largely, yes. And I was even actually able to start narrowing down altitudes and altitude changes by getting winds at different levels and seeing what gave me the closest match to the observed flight path for different segments of the flight. That's cool. It was very cool. That's
1: Uh, really cool, yeah.
0: So it was, you know, I think my analysis showed that a lot of the flight, it was probably a little higher than 60K. There were definitely some lower areas. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh,
0: But that's how, you know, you can't really, like, you can't stop in in the jet stream. It's just not going to happen. Right. Uh, But you can do things like alter your altitude through letting gas out or dropping ballast. Mm -hmm. to get a favorable wind for what you want to do. Like, oh, you're going too far north? Well, there are more southerly winds down low. You know, let's let some gas out and drop down Mm -hmm. 5,000 feet.
1: Yeah. And we can have this 900-foot-long fuse to figure out how to do that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I'm going to, like, spend a lot of time with that. That's a very interesting engineering feat, I will say. So
0: yes, yes but, so. but how
1: but that's yeah that's that's really great see look, so people are learning things based on this balloon encounter it's true uh, you
0: know but I, I guess now that I've got this this sensitive data this public data on my computer uh, I probably don't want to take it in for repair now right
1: probably not
0: and that brings us to everybody's favorite segment of the show Fun paper Friday.
1: Yay. I don't want to say yay. This is an awful paper.
0: <laughs> yeah. And when Xavier sent it in, he said, well, maybe this isn't even fun paper, but it's interesting.
1: <laughs> it is interesting. And that would not be the first one that we've done like that. So no privacy in the, alon- in the electronics repair industry by CC et al. Um, and this is in archive. <laughs> yeah. This is nefarious. Like this is uh oh, basically if you take your computer in, people are gonna snoop through your stuff. Oh yeah. Especially if you're a woman.
0: Yep. They're mm-hmm. gonna look for those dirty pictures.
1: Mm-hmm. That is exactly it. Um this is kind of like an elaborate setup, which I thought was very interesting. And what's even more nefarious is some people looked through here, and then some people, like electronics repair people, looked through your stuff and then tried to erase the fact that they looked through your stuff.
0: Yeah, so, you know, resetting dates on something, uh, definitely copying it to external devices sometimes.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I will say that, you know, these were, when they gave all these electronics to these people to repair them and we're tracking this. They did, you know, they had some clearly labeled illicit pictures in the right. in there that they had made. <laughs> Which I thought was funny enough in itself. Like if you're in there snooping for that stuff and you find this thing that says, you know, here's my collage of pictures that's very clearly labeled. Does that not make you suspicious? <laughs>
0: I guess not. I guess I guess, I guess, I guess the technicians guess you... just thought jackpot and exactly. whipped out their external hard drive.
1: <laughs> uh, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, that um, it's really disturbing. I thought this is a very long paper. Um, I will say, and it was a very elaborate, elaborate setup for this, but the results were extremely disturbing at the amount of people who went through went through your data when you took it in just for, you know, common repair stuff.
0: Yeah, so the the end result, the the headline if you will, is there's a greater than 50% chance that your data will be snooped on if you take it anywhere to get it worked on. <sighs> uh, They track things like access to documents folders, picture folders, revealing picture folders, finance (laughs) folders, access to browsing history.
1: That's interesting. Copying
0: of data, covering tracks, clearing quick access, and clearing system logs.
1: (laughs) That access to browsing history, that's just plain nosy.
0: (laughs) Yep. Well, I mean, I guess that tells them how deep they should dig on your file system.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, that's true. There you go. Mm -hmm. man you have the whole internet available to you and you still need to snoop on people's stuff
0: (laughs) yeah and then they also ask people when you send a device in to get it repaired do you have any of these the following data sensitive data on it so 100 of people reported that their chats contacts personal emails and pictures were on that computer. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Right. 14 out of 30 reported that they had their personal adult content.
1: <laughs>
0: 21 out of 30 banking information. Uh, almost 30 out of 30 passwords, which you know were just stored in a notepad file.
1: Oh, kids. <laughs> Don't worry. It was really... Really sneakily named, right? Like yeah. 123 was... P, P, W.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> On the desktop.
1: <laughs> well, you got to get to it fast. There's a lot of passwords to type in. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes.
0: <laughs> and really interesting, they ask people... Like, were you worried that somebody would go through your pictures when you took your computer in for repair? And the majority said they were not worried about any risks associated with repair.
1: Yeah. It's someone you want to trust, right?
0: I mean, call me paranoid. If I ever have to take my computer anywhere, it gets another hard drive that has a bare Windows install put in.
1: <laughs>
0: but generally, I don't take my computer anywhere.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You just throw it away and buy another one.
0: I mean... Yikes. You know, I'm, I'm just mega paranoid <laughs> about that. Like, I won't ever <laughs> let anybody have access to my system, period.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's... Mm-hmm.
0: But I was just surprised how many people were trusting... I mean... ...of the repairman.
1: Yeah. It seems like a thing that you should trust. Right? You're like, here, and you already got this device that you need repaired. Like, you're really going to sit there and go through it? Maybe you can't go through it and get your stuff off, you know? Like,
0: hmm. Yeah, that could be.
1: Mm-hmm. So you're just sort of sometimes just at the mercy.
0: And a lot of people said, well, a clear policy would help make me feel better. I That gives me no Zero. That solace. means
1: nothing. Nothing at all. <laughs> yeah, nothing at all. <laughs> restricted so,
0: access yeah if you make it hard to get to if you password protect folders and things mm-hmm. that probably is going to deter 90 percent of the people that are going to go snooping
1: yeah yeah
0: um honestly i would probably insist that i was there standing over their shoulder the whole time mm,
1: they wouldn't like that for sure
0: or that the hard drive was removed and they get another hard drive
1: mm-hmm yeah Hmm, 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 Yeah. So, the gender breakdown was very interesting to me. I mean, not surprising, which is sad. Okay. But just, you know, if it was a woman taking it in, it was more likely to get snooped.
0: Yes, quite a bit.
1: Mm Mm-hmm, like quite a bit yeah so that was that was too bad too
0: (laughs) yeah so i mean a little bit of a bummer paper but i'm not going to say that i'm terribly surprised by the results
1: i'm not surprised either but i definitely think more people should think about this
0: (laughs) right oh absolutely when people will just hand their phone to somebody yeah like no Mm -hmm. never like not that i have I'm not going to say, not that I have anything on there. I don't want people to, I, you don't need to be able to access my contacts. You don't need to be able to see my email.
1: Right, exactly.
0: I am I am paranoid about things like that anyway, but.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, I am too. I remember my, um, like my TAs at field camp were like, hey, give me the password to your computer. I got to get on to do this stuff. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and it's like they didn't think absolutely not uh, but they didn't think anything of it like so clearly that's something like everyone's cool doing you know because yeah it's very interesting very interesting Mm.
0: yeah we have these so they were actually i think i mentioned this before on here but uh at penn state when i was in grad school we had an end of the year party called entropy and people made sketches and one sketch that was semi-planned, but never got made, uh, <laughs> featured, and man, I really don't know how I felt about this, so I'm kind of glad it never got made, uh, but featured me when the backups of all of my data as the Horcruxes,
1: <laughs>
0: and they had to find and destroy all of my backups.
1: I know how I feel about this, and I'm real sad <laughs> that didn't get me. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I just snorted twice. That's how good that was. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but no, like, you know, I've got multiple rotating backups at different locations, some offsite, some offsite. They're all encrypted with different passwords. The encryption password changes quarterly. Like, there's mm-hmm, a whole system mm-hmm. that ends with a sealed envelope and a safe that has the encryption key. Like, it is elaborate. <laughs> But that's how paranoid I am about my data.
1: Uh, John, nobody's trying to steal your folder full of grumpy cat memes. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, is that my folder full of grumpy cat memes? That
0: that is your folder full of (laughs) grumpy cat memes that you have shared with me in a Dropbox.
1: (laughs) That's okay. The name of the folder is adult content. (laughs)
0: Uh, Well, on that note, uh, (laughs) please don't send us anything related to this paper, actually.
1: Yeah, exactly. But please do send us grumpy cat memes.
0: (laughs) Uh, Shannon, how can they get a hold of us?
1: show at don'tpanicgeocast.com we're on twitter at don't panic geo i am at shannon Doolin. john is at geo underscore lehman and as always thank you to our patreon supporters you can keep us going patreon.com slash don't panic geo
0: and until next week remember don't panic it's not an exact science